Welcome to another episode of Footnotes for Faith, uh, where each week we take a few minutes to expand our understanding of the Christian faith, connect scripture to life, and consider the claims of Jesus. I'm your host for Footnotes for Faith, uh, Scott Fisher. I'm pastor at Delaware Valley, a Christian church in Media, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. It's uh, exciting to be joining you. Uh, I'm recording this on March 1st, looking out my window at the beautiful sunshine and beginning to think about spring, even though we have uh, some winter left. And I love spring because I love the nice warm weather. I love baseball, and I look forward to all of the celebrations around the time of Easter as we celebrate uh, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last few episodes, uh, we've talked about various challenges to faith, and we also last time talked about the relationship of biblical faith to evidence. And uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to those episodes, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them, and they're sort of a good introduction to what we'll talk about some today. But we're really just going to continue the conversation we've been having about, about faith, and As I've been thinking and and praying about some of the things we could talk about related to faith, uh, something in particular stood out to me this week that I wanted to talk about, uh, an aspect of a challenge to our faith that I have found in my own life and I find often is a challenge for for all that seek to, to follow Christ. And that really is the whole situation we encounter when we feel that our prayers are being unanswered. When we're praying about something, usually something particularly difficult that we're going through, or sometimes it could be a long-standing problem we've been having, and it just seems like God is silent. God is either not listening to us, or actually there are times when we pray for something and the very opposite happens. We, We pray for one outcome and something much different happens that's very painful and negative, and we all go through those period. So if you're going through that, you're not alone. And I was thinking about it, and really probably the the right word is, the right way of phrasing is not so much unanswered prayer, but ungranted prayer. Because if, if we think about it, in a sense, every prayer is answered in the sense that when we go to God with a request, and we're talking particularly about requests that we have, the answer is sometimes no, or it might be yes, or it might be wait. It's There's several ways that that prayer could be answered, but I think what we're really meaning when we talk about unanswered prayer most of the time is prayer that doesn't seem to get a, any response, or at least the response we get is either either no or something quite different than what we wanted, and that is something that we struggle with, and so that is a common struggle, and, and it can be a great challenge to faith and to continuing in our faith, and because we get very disappointed, and if we're really honest, we're disappointed with God. We're disappointed that God has not done what we've asked, and sometimes these are, again, very painful circumstances that we go through in our relationships, in our health, for loved ones. These are not small items. These are are big life issues. Well, I have some good news for you. You may already know a lot of this, but the Bible provides us in Scripture with some great resources in dealing with this challenge to our faith. And it's not one that I, I really grasped until 
a while on in my Christian experience, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think one of the reasons is because I've had a hard time over the years really being able to identify and express my emotions and also be really honest about what I'm feeling sometimes or even even first identify what I'm feeling and then be able to communicate that to others. And also I carry that over into my relationship with God. And what's helped me is that there are many, many scriptures, and, and especially in the book of Psalms, which are really prayers set to music and and the Psalms are just a rich resource and collection of prayers about different topics. And there's a whole type, a whole section of, of Psalms, or there's a whole genre of Psalms, we might say, that are called by Bible scholars and theologians Psalms of Lament. Lament. In other words, they are Psalms in which the psalmist is talking to God but lamenting or complaining or pouring his or her heart out before God in in some type of expression of despair, disappointment, confusion. And so this is a great help to us because we know that that we can turn to God with these confusing feelings and questions. I'm only going to give a a couple of examples, but you could Google— uh, psalms of lament for yourself, and you'll get a whole list of about probably 30 psalms. Great thing about Google, right? We can just go right to Google to do that. So, for example, Psalm 13, the psalmist says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? You hear the lament there? It's, it's a lament. It's a cry to God. It's how long? It's just, this is going on way too long, God. And he, the psalmist even says, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So the psalmist feels as though God has forgotten him. Well, as if, it feels as if God is hiding his face. These are his emotions. Whether that's really happening or not is really not the point. It's that's how the psalmist is feeling and is expressing that to God. Another psalm that's quite striking is Psalm 18. I won't read the whole psalm, but I'm going to read one section of it near the end from a paraphrase of, of which is a little different than translation. In the future, we're going to talk about translations, but the message is an excellent uh, paraphrase that brings out some of the force of the passages in a, in a very striking way. So this is how the message uh, paraphrases Psalm 88, 13 to 18. And the psalmist says, I'm standing my ground, God, shouting for help at my prayers every morning on my knees each daybreak. Why, God, do you turn a deaf ear? Why do you make yourself scarce? For as long as I remember I've been hurting I've taken the worst you can hand out, and I've had it. Your wildfire anger has blazed through my life. I'm bleeding black and blue. You've attacked me fiercely from every side, raining down blows till I'm nearly dead. You made lover and neighbor alike dump me. The only friend I have left is darkness. And that's how the psalm ends. The only friend I have left is darkness. I mean, that is quite a psalm. 
And I can't help but always think of the uh, Simon and Garfunkel song about Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. And I've often wondered if they got that line from this psalm. And so you can hear it, right? You can hear the the angst, you can hear the passion, you can hear the, the agony in this voice of the in the sound of the psalmist's words, and this is a psalm of lament. And one of the the, the, the largest uh, sections of scripture that is a, a long lament is is in the book of Job because we know that in the book of Job, in chapter one, we find out that Job is a righteous man and has a lot of material possessions, and which is a sign of God's blessing at that time, and also family, and he's, a, and he's a very godly person, and all of a sudden he, he loses everything. God takes all of it away, and we see throughout the book of Job, Job lamenting his situation, lamenting and pouring out his heart to God in, in agony. And so I, I think there's a couple things we can learn from these Psalms of Lament. One is that they highlight the importance of bringing all of ourselves to God, bringing all of ourselves to God, including all of our emotions, that we can come to God with all of our feelings. And again, in my own spiritual journey, it took me a while to really embrace that, that 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 God wants to hear from me about what I'm feeling, and I, it's, and I can safely bring those to him and pour them out and express them. There's a book I want to recommend that is excellent in this area, and the book is called The Cry of the Soul, how Our Emotions Reveal Our Deepest Questions About God. And the book is written by Dan Allender, who is a Christian psychologist, and Trumper Longman, who is an Old Testament scholar, and much of it has to do with the Psalms. And so I really recommend The Cry of the Soul. You can purchase it online at Amazon or wherever you purchase your books. But what's interesting is many of the Psalms of Lament in, in many of the Psalms of the Lament, the psalmist pushes through, if you read the whole Psalm of Lament, with a reminder to themselves of how good God is and that they will continue to trust him despite the pain and confusion. So if you read the entire Psalm, the psalmist is, yes, pouring out his or her heart to God, but then coming back around and being and reminding themselves that God is good. And so it's it's... It's these laments are faith struggling, faith struggling, faith grasp, trying to grasp the reality. And this is what I think, that if our relationship to God means something to us, then we are going to struggle when things happen that we don't understand, just like we would struggle in any relationship. And that's one of the reasons I believe that in the Gospels, Jesus seeks to, seeks to remind us of how good God is. Because when we experience difficulties in life, when we don't have our prayers answered the way that we would like them to be answered, we struggle with believing that God is good, or at least that God is good toward us, or at least that his intentions toward us are good. And I love what Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 11, and he says right after he is taught about the model prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer— he says to the disciples, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
So what Jesus is saying here is, if you, speaking to us as sinful humans, and we know Jesus had no sin, but if you, as sinful human beings, give your children what is good. In other words, if you're, if you're as he says, if your son, he uses kind of a very dramatic illustration, if your son asks for a fish, which of you is going to go and give him a snake? You know, Dad, I'd like a, a fish for dinner, and instead I give you a snake. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Well, no, no normal parent is going to do that. You know, even though we have our flaws, we're going to give our children what's good for them to eat. And Jesus is saying, well, if, if you are like that, imagine how much better your Heavenly Father is when you ask Him for things. But if, if we're really honest, at least if I'm honest with my own heart, there are times when I have prayed for something that, in my mind, I ask God for a fish. I can remember one time I was really wanting this particular job, and I really felt that I was the best candidate. I really felt it was all going to work out. We needed the money. You know, it was all these things just lined up so perfectly, and I really, really wanted this job, and I prayed, and I didn't get it. I didn't get it, and I really struggled with why I didn't get it, and at those moments, it's easy, even though most of us would never say this out loud, it's easy to think, well, I prayed for a fish, and God slipped me a serpent, or I prayed for an egg, and I got a scorpion instead, and when we're really struggling, that's how we feel. And that's why I think Jesus taught that, say, you know, when we are tempted to think that, remember that God is good. Remember the goodness of God. And what we see in, in the story about uh, Job, if you read, and I love the book of Job, if you read the whole book of Job, it's fascinating, really. But one of the things we see in, in Job is that in the beginning of the story, it tells us that Satan, or the devil, comes and, and says to comes and appears before God and God himself initiates the conversation with Satan and he says, Have you considered my servant Job? Because God is pointing him out as an example of someone who faithfully serves him. And the devil says, Well, you know, of course he serves you because look at all you've given him. You've surrounded him with so much stuff. But if you take that away, he's gonna curse you to your face. He's saying Job is going to curse you to your face. He basically and someone pointed this out. This isn't original with, original with me, but I heard a sermon one time on this section of Job, and it always stuck with me. And he said that Satan is a, is a cynic, and Satan's cynicism is this. He believes that every one of us that follows God is a what's-in-it-for-me believer. In other words, we're fair-weather believers, because uh, Satan doesn't understand why anybody would serve God just because they love God. So his... His theory is if, if, if Job is only serving you because you've basically paid him off, but if you take it all away from him, he, he, he's going to curse you. And what we see in Job, of course, is that when God takes everything away from him, he greatly struggles. Throughout the book, he struggles, he laments, but he does not curse God, and he never turns his back on God. He continues to push forward and question and say, I'm going to trust God no matter what. He really struggles. And I think that one of the reasons, I know for myself, that I struggle with lament in my own life and when others are, are lamenting is what I see in the book of Job. Because when Job begins to really pour his heart out and he begins to talk to God and talk about his relationship to God and he begins to question why he's going through this suffering, his 
quote counselors come around him and they basically tell him that he's he either did something wrong so that he deserves what he's getting which of course is not what's true or that he he's sinning by questioning god and that he shouldn't be questioning god and so i know sometimes when when um i'm tempted to uh shut down someone who's lamenting part of it because it might make me uncomfortable and also there's that fine line between lament that could turn into a settled heart of bitterness if we're not careful but some of times when people are lamenting we we well all the time really we need to give them room to lament to a safe place for them to express their struggle in their relationship with God and so i think that what's really happening in the in the book of of job and in the psalms and in our own lives when we go through these trials is that what god is doing is he's actually exercising and strengthening and challenging our faith to become stronger because it's it's easier to trust God when things are going well but when things are going poorly when we're not seeing answers to prayer that's when it's hard and i i remember one of the things that helped me was when i became a father and to understand sort of my own relationship to God i remember our oldest son got a bad case of croup when he was very little, and and we had to take him to the hospital, and they had to give him a steroid shot, and they couldn't get him to hold still for his steroid shot. And I remember as a dad, I had to get over him and hold his little body down on the bed firm enough so that they could give him the shot. And I remember the look in his eyes when I was pinning him down to the bed, and he had this kind of look like, why are you doing this, Dad? Why why are you holding me down so they can give me this thing that's going to hurt me? And I remember thinking, but I have to, or else he won't be able to breathe. And, you know, he trusted me because I was his dad, but he was confused at why this was good for him. And I remember that God spoke to me during that experience about my relationship with my own Heavenly Father, that there are times when it's like God might be holding me down on the on the bed and someone's giving me a shot that's painful, and I don't, I, don't, I just can't understand why that's happening. But I can trust that God has a purpose and a plan in it that I don't fully understand, and I'm not even really qualified to understand, And but I can still trust God. And that's really what's interesting is at the end of Job, God doesn't say to Job, well, Job, you passed the test, and here's what... He, basically, he says to Job, you know, Job, he asks him a bunch of questions at the end. He says, you know, he asks him questions about creation. Can you do that? Have you ever made this? Have you ever created this? And he goes on and on and on. And Job finally says, no, nah, I, I don't really know how to do any of that, any of the, the things that God did that created the universe. And basically, Job repents of asking about things that he could not possibly understand. So basically what God is saying to Job is, if you don't understand how I created and order the, the physical universe, how can you understand how I order my moral universe? In other words, how would you ever be able to understand how I answer prayers, why I answer prayers, why I do this or that. And so that is a very, very deep, deep level of faith that is not arrived at easily or cheaply, but sometimes our struggles, our trials, our our ungranted prayers lead us in that direction. I love Psalm 103, 13 and 14, one of my favorite verses, a couple of verses. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. God knows us. He remembers that we are weak and that we need him. And so what, if you're struggling today, if you're struggling with ungranted prayer, 
um, keep pressing forward, keep talking to God, keep lamenting, just keep talking to, to God and pouring out your heart to Him. Find others as well that you can that you can speak with. And God will will be there to strengthen you um, as you do that. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Uh, if you enjoy Footnotes for Faith, please take a second to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen to uh, the show on, whether it's Apple or Spodcast or Spotify or wherever, whatever platform you do. Uh, your, help, your feedback helps us reach more people, continue to improve the show. And, and as always, you can email feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes directly to footnotespod at visit dbcc.org. Thanks for joining, you, joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.